Testing one, two, three on my mic. Testing one, two, three on my mic. I'm Todd Meisner. I'm Paul Coletti. And we're talking pictures today with Vincent David Johnson, Chicago freelance photographer and the 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 man behind uh, a really awesome mm-hmm. uh, photo project called Lost Americana, uh, the abandoning of rural America. David or Vincent, thanks for joining us. Oh no, thanks for having me on, guys. Your project is awesome. It, <laughs> I mean, it, it it's just I, I it is. Uh, first of all, you have way more energy than I do, and I don't know how you're gonna you're doing this project, which is massive, kind of in scale, because it encompasses the entire Midwest, right? Uh, it encompasses almost the entire country, actually. Yeah. Uh, although I, I, I have a, uh, a a good friend who's a mentor. Uh, he's a academic dean at a at a, uh, a film college, uh, and he has said that I should really kind of. Because it's, it's not just the photography. Uh, it's also um, getting ready to make a, a feature-length documentary film oh, wow. on it as well. So, uh, But he said, you know, for the film, I might want to think about maybe just narrowing it down to a region. So uh, I think for the film, I'm looking at basically the Great Plains and the Midwest, as opposed to kind of encompassing areas of like the West and East and New England area. But yeah, uh, essentially, you know, what I'm covering, it's, I look at it sometimes and it's, so massive that I don't know how I'm going to tell the single story, uh, you know, how to tell the story in like one single setting. It's, I feel like I need to pull a Ken Burns uh, baseball and, yeah. and do like uh, 10 different, 10 different feature lake films <laughs> to get it all in. Well, how did you give it? What's the Give us a, give our listeners a synopsis of this, of this project. Okay. So the synopsis of the project is essentially this, um, Parts of rural America, especially if you live out there, you know, uh, main streets are kind of dying, uh, farms are, are being left to kind of waste and rot, and you know, there's there's a there's a, there's a myriad of reasons why a lot of this has happened. Um, my project primarily focuses on uh, the agricultural side of it, so it really looks at the American farmer and. You know, if you think about it back to the heyday uh, of American farming, which is, you know, kind of the beginning half of the the 20th century, so, you know, say like the early 1900s up to the 1950s, you, you would have farmers that would, you know, it would take a good number of people to, you know, run a farm. It's why everybody had large families. Uh, you know, you get, you know, families with like seven, eight, 12 kids, you know, out there running the farm with mom and dad and the aunts and uncles and you know, the farms were a little smaller. So if you think about that, you've got these small little towns that have families that are, are running the farms, that not including the, the farm hands that they hire outside from that live in the town and, you know, or I guess in some cases migrant workers, but for the most part, you know, hiring people there. So if you have a family that normally had, you know, 10 kids, 7 kids, or took 12 men to run the farm, and you have a area, you have a village there that's maybe 3,000 people, well, when these farms got smaller because of technology, uh, and you're actually not the farms didn't get smaller, but the the, the 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 workforce needed got smaller, you would have you know maybe one or two people today that are now running this farm, uh, and essentially in, in a town that small, if you have like a hundred farms that you know shrunk down to maybe like 25 farms because farms got bigger and they needed less people, you've got a town of 3,000 people that now half their workforce who used to be farmers 
doesn't really have a job, so a lot of them have left or tried to do other things. And, you know, just with, you know, birth rates getting lower, so you, you have towns that are shrinking. And th there's nobody really coming back, so a lot of what I've been trying to capture of talk, you know, on the photographic side was, you know, China has its Great Wall, Egypt has the pyramids, uh, you know, you look at a lot of these things around the world about the dominance of a culture and a society at, at a point, and America was really started as an agricultural society in a way. Ninety uh, percent of the population in the 1790s, you know, at the very beginning of our country, were, were farmers. And, you know, what's left of that society now? It's these old wooden barns that are just falling into the ground, so I've been trying to capture them before they disappear. Vince, I'm, I'm curious to know if this is the, a project that um, you, it's got like a, a finite timeline on it, something like, well, I'm going to work on this for 12 months a year, or I'm going to explore this project for five years, or if it's more organic and you'll just know that you've finished telling the story, I mean, you'll know it when it's over. Um, or is this something you're just going to work on for the rest of your for the rest of your career? I think it's going to be something that I will continue for the rest of my career. Uh, I, I don't know if 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 you guys read or you know I talked about it previously, but uh, I started doing this in 1995, so I'm going on 20 years now that I've been shooting, you know, rural America, and, it, and you know it started off just in Illinois and around my hometown. But, you know, then I started kind of branching off as I, as I actually realized that it wasn't just like suburban sprawl that was, you know, closing these buildings down in these farms. And you, you start getting out into Iowa, Nebraska, Dakotas, Kansas, and, and you just keep seeing the same thing on repeat, except, you know, for different reasons. So, yeah, I mean, it's I think right now what I'm really trying to do is get, a, you know, accumulate it all and put it into one. So there is a finished product. Yeah. Um, you know, because like I said, it, I could go on forever with it if I wanted to, sure. but I, I want to have something concrete. Did you discover this um, this kind of narrative you wanted to tell by chance? Like you were driving down a, a highway, a lonely highway one day, and you saw an old barn and took a photo just because it was aesthetic and then explored it some more? Or did you know that this was a story you wanted to tell uh, from the beginning? No, this this was definitely a story that I think kind of found me, but... Uh, you know, it's similar to my photography career and like how I started off, um, you know, there was probably three different times that, you know, I was started to take photos and like had a camera and then put it down and then picked a camera back up later on in life. And before it started to actually take that, I wanted to be a photographer. And it was the same way with, with this, um, you know, I remember driving down, uh, Illinois route six, just south of Joliet where I grew up. And there used to be these old cranes that were from uh, an abandoned, you know, quarry that was there. And I used to just be so fascinated. I get so excited when I was like six or seven, you know, on our way out to a friend's or family's house going down this road, I'd, I'd be waiting for the cranes by the window. And hmm. same thing with some of the old barns that I would see. And uh, I was I was in junior college, uh, taking a photography elective before I went up to uh, another college to go into uh, Actually, I was I wanted to be like a DJ. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, and I was just, I was out and there was this one barn that I used to see all the time off the side of the highway on the way back to my house. And I just kind of went out there and started taking pictures of it. And then, you know, the project as a whole actually really didn't even come about then. That was like the first time I, I took abandoned barn photos as, a, as they were called back in the day. Mm -hmm. um, but the real project started when I went out for a documentary class uh, when I was at the Columbia College in Chicago for photography. 
and I was going to do a documentary on uh, the Illinois and Michigan Canal. Um, and so I decided to start kind of where it ended, which is out towards the Ottawa Starved Rock area. Yeah. And when I got there, there, there wasn't that much to shoot because if you've been there, you, you know that it's kind of dried up in most yeah. of the area. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so on my way back, I you know stopped and had lunch, and I started driving back to, uh, I think I was still living in Joliet at the time, and I took the side roads, and I just started you know shooting all my film. You know, I had 35-millimeter film back then and started taking pictures of all these barns that I was seeing that were just kind of like left empty and not used. And mm-hmm. they turned out to be really colorful, uh, you know, with the fields and skies and just, you know, everything, eh, the little bit of red that's still left in some of the paint. Yeah. And then it just turned out to me shooting abandoned barns as a subject and then kind of parlayed into, well, why are these abandoned? And as, as a photojournalist at mm-hmm. that point in my early training, I, I started asking questions about, why are there so many of them as opposed to just like, oh, it's cool to take pictures of, you know, old stuff. Yeah. I actually started digging a little deeper and hence got in the quagmire. <laughs> right. <exactly. laughs> I guess this is now. So are you familiar with David Plowden's work? Because your, your stuff, especially your, your grain elevator picture, which dominates mm-hmm. your, your, um, your website, um, is really reminiscent to me of Plowden's work and kind of looks like an extension of where Plowden and his, his work. And I mean, David Plowden is still alive, but I don't think David yeah. Plowden is walking the streets of mm-hmm. Nebraska anymore. Mm-hmm. Maybe he is at 83 or 84, but, um, but your, your work reminds me of those project, his projects. And then, you know, people have said of, of, of Plowden's work that it's his work was an extension of Dorothea Lang and Walker Evans, and the WPA photographers, and, and, you know, how do you feel about that? I, I, if I was sitting right next to you, you would see me blushing right now, and you might have stopped asking halfway through because you've just compared my work to some really, really heavy hitters, uh, you know, in the photography, you know, realm. Uh, the funny thing was is I have been told, even when I first started doing this uh, back in 96, 97 was at Columbia, was that I needed to see David Plowden's work. Like, oh my God, you've got to see David Plowden. You've got to see his work. Uh, coincidentally, I was dating his uh, intern at the time too, and she was just like, "You, I should introduce you." And I would, and I was really against it because as photographers, I mean, you kind of want to keep your own aesthetic. And I was like, so I know that you know that some of the iconic photos he had of the grain elevator, I believe in Minnesota. Um, I know that work, but I've never. Never. I like almost purposely do not look at David Plowden's stuff mm-hmm. because of that. I, I want to I wanna be done with his. I think if I actually get this into the book like I'm planning in the next year, I'm finally going to have time to sit down and, and look at his work. And I actually invited him to a gallery show I had uh, back in 2008. I just sent him a postcard, but, you know, I don't, you know, never was formally introduced to him. So I didn't expect him to come, but it would have been a a big honor if he did, but so I know of his work. Uh, yeah. And, and one of these days I'll sit down and be able to compare it on my own. But right now I only know the one or two photos that were really popular. His. Yeah. He was in a, he came to, when I was at Iowa at the last part of my days at Iowa, um, they brought him in as a, a, I guess a professor emeritus or something. And, you know, you just kind of, uh, you know, <laughs> Yes, yeah. sir. You need, I should do that. Yes, I, my picture should be more like this. Yes, mm-hmm. you know, you like that picture? Excuse me while I pinch myself. Yeah, yeah so, yeah. yeah I don't have a lot of experience with him, but the experience I had with him was very positive. But I, I, 
I will say this though about him. I, I he was on. Uh, I want to say it might have been uh, Fresh Air with uh, Terry Gross on NPR, and I was enthralled. I listened to the whole interview, and he and this is about maybe six or seven years ago that the interview was done, and he had said something that I thought was really interesting. He was saying that like he is having a harder time going out now and shooting these areas, not because he's you know getting older or anything like that. He he said it's really depressing to him because he mm. remembers going out there in the '60s and seeing the vibrance of these communities, mm. and now he goes there and he I think he literally said like there's just places where there's just ruins that are left, oh. and and it, it, I always thought like I might not be David Plowden, but. I might be the person that picks up where David Plowden left yeah. off. Well, that's that's you know? that's exactly what I was thinking because when you look at it, you flip through Vanishing Point, which is kind of a fifty-year retrospective for him. That you, you know, where his work kind of lets off um, in a timeline and the decay and the and the status of of rural America. And it's not just rural America; it's the ruralist. I was trying to mm-hmm. I practice this word before we went on the air. Ruralist of. Of of America, I mean, you the most you, rural, the most yeah, all right, okay. Mr. Grammar Cop, <laughs> uh, because I mean, you grew up in Joliet, and so if you follow the Illinois River west, you you know you go to Seneca and Ottawa and Danway and Hit, and and it just get, you know the towns get smaller, you know, and far fewer and far between, and and mm-hmm. you know those places are. I mean, have you ever shot any? As you come further this way west, you know, from Joliet to the to the Quad Cities or Moline or Rock Island, have you ever found something here to shoot? You know, I, interestingly enough, last year I did a uh, we did a, a trip out west, and I started off in Iowa. Well, I didn't start off in Iowa. I started off at the Nebraska Iowa border. Um, but I, I had actually met up with uh, my sister, who happened to be, you know, her in-laws live in the Quad City. So we were visiting, and right as I was pulling out, uh, she went one direction, I went the other, and like five minutes later, she sent me this picture of this old abandoned building. It was right off of, you know, the highway that she was at, and it was it was it might have been a church or something. I'm not sure what it was, um, but I haven't been to Iowa to shoot. I think since like '98. Illinois, I think, surprisingly, on the farming side, I swear it's having some sort of a resurgence. Uh, and, you know, I haven't dug deep into, like, you know, the numbers to see, you know, how the bushels of corn or the acreage that's being plowed each year has increased or decreased. But it used to be really easy for me in, like, 97, 98 to go out and just drive around Illinois and find stuff to shoot. And I think Illinois, especially up in the northeast or the northwest part, Northeast is all suburbs, but the Northwest, it, it, it was a lot more vibrant. I mean, I was, I was ending up in, in towns like, I want to say Monmouth, and like they actually kind of had like a revamped downtown where people were opening up restaurants and like these main streets. And it's so it, 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 there's something going on here. And like I said, I haven't doing this thing across the whole country. It's hard to do just specific bits of research and, you know, do your day job too. Right, exactly. Um, but it, I do feel like Illinois and some of the Midwestern states are kind of coming back out of some of the lulls that might have been happening as a holdover from like the 80s when you had, you know, the whole farm aid and the, the loan scandals going on. Uh, so, you know, but I, I've seen a lot of the barns that I used to shoot that were abandoned here literally getting, uh, you know, plowed under. You know, they, right. they got tore down and then the land actually getting used again to grow crops, which, you know, I think 20 years ago, you know, the yield that you would get was, wasn't worth it. So they would, they would actually just leave them 
you know, there to deteriorate as opposed to trying to cultivate that area again, where now it's more and more, you know, they're either getting torn down because of vandalism or because they actually want to use the land again. So, Paul, would you, you know, say I think that, we're at that point yeah. where it's, it's disappearing? It's interesting because looking at your work, I asked, Paul and I were looking at your work, and mm-hmm. he's, he said that it looked more Western than right. it did Midwestern, the few mm-hmm. pictures that we were looking at, because I think that what you just described as far as the, the status of the farm, when I say the, you know, the most rural communities, yeah. we, cover, we cover a lot of rural stuff here mm-hmm. at the, the Dispatch and the Argus, qconline.com, and, and uh, we're out in those kinds of rural areas all yep. the time. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm more surprised when I come across a scene that you would be that would fit your narrative than I am by what I normally see. If I see it, it's like, whoa, well, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. I mean, that would you know, I wish I was here at six in the morning when the sun mm-hmm. hits yeah. this, yeah. as opposed to oh, racing oh, yeah. a fire, right. you know, from <laughs> some house, some guy's log house that's yeah. burning a mile up <laughs> this gravel road. Right. But um, yeah, I mean, just outside of Joliet alone, like my my family still lives in the area, and I go down there quite a bit, and it's just I used to be able to take trips and just go west of, of Joliet and find stuff. And, you know, now I, you know, it's just so hard to even find stuff around there anymore. Mm. Um, <clears throat> I will say one of the kind of places that I have found is West Central Illinois still kind of, you know, is there. There's a there's an area, and I, I pulled up the map just like so kind of get this right. But, you know, short of, you know, you kind of get off the highways. And if you look at that whole kind of the, the – belly or the gut of like Illinois, you know, mm-hmm. it looks like the fat man profile there from the side. Right. Um, that area is, you know, there's a lot out there and, and that's what I look for when I actually go and shoot. So like I'll go to Nebraska and, you know, if you stay along 80, you know, there's some, there's some towns there that are still very vibrant. And that's another thing that's been a big boon. I know like, I think it's Tennessee and Kentucky. I was just doing a, reading an article about, you know, their population decline in, in their rural areas. And, <clears throat> one of the uh, saving graces for them is when there's a highway extension that goes through or there's an exit that's mm-hmm. put on the ramp. It's, it's almost like, uh, I, I have children, so I don't know if you've ever seen the movie cars. Yeah. yeah. Oh, either yeah. Of you, there's a whole scene about how yeah. that, the the little, the little town that they're in, how it died after right. the highway came through. Exactly. Nobody goes yep. through these towns and you know, that's another part of it. So it's, like I said, it's still multifaceted about what it is. I mean, sometimes it's, it's just a mill, that was in the area that closed down and yeah. you know that was enough to kind of kill it as well as the, the you know so it's like they didn't realize that farming had gone until the mill had closed and they're like oh yeah absolutely everybody's gone and mm. you know but but you see it at jail towns you know a lot of these rural areas get uh you know prisons and you know you'll, you'll be driving through and you'll you know it's empty main street after empty main street and then all of a sudden you come to the next town and you're like wow why is there a mcdonald's and a, this in this small little town and then you're like oh mm-hmm there's a state penitentiary or a federal penitentiary right around the corner. So it's, you know, that's, you know, not to get in a political hot point of an area, but, you know, sometimes that's all it is. But yeah, as far as, you know, the agricultural side, it's, it's just not supplying the jobs like it used to be, which Mm -hmm. is why these, the most rural areas are are really going dark, I guess. So how do you um, scout your, I mean, you'll leave your, you said you were um, leaving tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow at 5 a.m. to go to North Dakota. So do you uh, fly or do you get in the car and drive? Oh, no. I have had a 4x4 four four ever since uh, I started doing this project. It's part of the ways that I get to some of these places, especially 
when you're out west. Uh, so I drive. Yeah, it's uh, God bless the good gas mileage. That's part of the reason why I've decided I'm going to take this last impromptu trip uh, for the year. That and the school starts up for the children in in a week. So uh, how do you find like a lo- how do you find a location that far away? How do you scout something or or know? Or do you just take a chance and say I'm going to drive out here? I haven't been to this to this region yet and see what I find. So back in the 90s, it was chance, uh, you know, and like I said, it was a lot easier then. 20 years ago, there was still a lot more of these structures in Illinois that were just, mm-hmm. like I said, I could, I could, I would look at a map and I would see, okay, where's the biggest space between towns? Where's, mm-hmm. And that's usually kind of where it was happening. Um, it's still the case now, but like I said, it, it gets a little harder because, you know, you'll come out there and you'll see what would have been a great shot 10 years ago, but now it's literally just a roof that's on top of some timbers because the whole thing fell straight to the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, Scouting-wise, uh, Google Maps has been yeah. fantastic. Um, but, you know, then again, I mean, it, it only goes so far. Uh, I, 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 around 2004, 2005, uh, I was on Flickr, and I still am. Uh, and, and I started doing, you know, I would kind of look at people's photos and, you know, if they were nice mm-hmm. enough to kind of geotag them, I'd be like, oh, that's an interesting building. Um, the grain tower that's right outside of uh, Dodge City. I I found that because it was somebody had taken a, a, a nice photo of it on Flickr. And I was like, OK, I, cool. you know, I'm planning on going to Dodge City. That was one of my destination points. And I'm like, that's right in the area that I'm going. And so it's it's kind of the same thing now. Uh, you know, part of it is, you know, I'll look. And, you know, there are other people like me doing it, especially now that digital factory is really blowing up. It's a little easier to find places. It's like, oh, somebody took this in 2012. I bet mm-hmm. you that still might be standing. You know, that old school looks really cool. Um, but, you know, the most of it's still kind of hit or miss. Uh, you know, I was just in New York and Pennsylvania this last, uh, in, in July, uh, last month. And I, I nary did I find a, an abandoned place that was worth photographing. I mean, I found mm-hmm. some that were interesting, but it's, you know, sometimes you just turn that corner. And uh, one of my favorite shots, which I never tell anybody where it is, uh, <laughs> it's up this main street. A good magician <laughs> never tells them how the trick mm-hmm. is done. Yeah. It's funny. I will, I will tell everybody where every photo I took is. I'm not one of those people that are like, oh, no, you can't go there, um, except for this one place. And, you know, I, I, I'll never forget it. It was a little small town. And it, it had a dirt road that went by the town. So it wasn't even a paved road that went by the town. And and so I take this side street to get into the town. As I'm going down, I'm coming up on the corner of a street and Main Street. And I kind of look to my right to make sure there's no traffic coming. You know, it's close to sunset. And I look to my left and I see this Main Street. Uh, just it's actually the last photo on the home page. Uh, mm-hmm. If you guys were looking at the website sitting there with like the tin facade and the storefront windows and and I, I started to look at this thing and my jaw literally hit the steering wheel and I realized that I was in the middle of the intersection because I hadn't been able to fully put my brake on I was so stunned by what I, it it looked like a scene out of the 1880s I mean it, it it hasn't been touched for that long and you know I've been back once or twice and it's starting to fall through on the back end of one of these structures but it's just it's it's such an amazing little place and every time i show people this photo they're like oh my god that's still around i'm like yeah i, I took that a couple years ago but it, it doesn't look like it should still be there is it not, a go- not is 100 it a ghost years town? later technically 
Yes, because I think you need at least 50 people to be incorporated. Mm -hmm. At least I think that's Illinois. But So there are less than 50 people that live there. But there are mm -hmm. still houses. I was talking the last time I went through, because if I'm within like 100 miles or 200 miles of this place, I always make sure to stop by. Um, and, uh, you know, I started talking with the people uh, that live there. There just happened to be a guy out walking on the street and, you know, mm -hmm. saw me taking pictures with my big 4 by 5 camera. And uh, he, uh, you know, he started, we started talking about the history and he was telling me what they were. And, uh, you know, he pointed out that there was this cement structure behind, uh, on the other side of the main street behind the photo that I took, um, that was the jail. And you, you walk into this, it looks like a bunker above ground. And you could see where they blowtorched the old bars mm -hmm. out of the ceiling and the floor to just make it like an open shed or something like that. Mm -hmm. But, it's just amazing what's still left in this town. And, and, you know, the story goes from what I understand is that back in like the early 1900s, it had a train depot. And for whatever reason, the railway decided that it would be better served 15 miles kind of southeast. And so the town that got the train, the rail depot after that kind of boomed and flourished. And this town just kind of, okay, but, you know, surprisingly, you know, 100 years was still somewhat standing. Hmm. You mentioned you, you use a 4 by 5 camera. Yes, I shoot with a 4 Not all, but a lot. Yeah. Is it do you, like a like a, a Mamiya or a Hasselblad, like a digital back, or are you still using film? I see a lot of... I, I can see a lot of you digital as a, back? Yeah. <laughs> I see a lot of you as an artist in your work, but, uh, I mean, you can also tell that the images just have that um, je ne sais quoi quality. There's that, depth. The color yeah, depth is different than digital. It's it's got a really incredible look. I don't know if there's any like post processing manipulation or if that's what. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm curious to know what you use to shoot the photos. So uh, yeah, I, I use, uh, and you're gonna kill me because I I got this camera off eBay and I had one when I was in college where they let me use their. Uh, you know, you basically we had a four by five class back in the day. Yeah. Digital wasn't a thing when I graduated mm -hmm. from college in '99. So, yeah, the, the camera that I had then I used for a lot of it. And then for about four years, I didn't have a 4x5 because they were still rather expensive. Mm -hmm. But as digital came around, price dropped, and I purchased one again. So this one, I always want to say it's a Toyo, but I don't. Let's see. What is it? Uh, it's an Omega View, whatever mm. that is. So, uh, but, yeah, it's uh, got a couple different lenses. And then as far as post-production, you know, I've got a really big uh, Epson flatbed that'll do up to 8x10 transparencies. Mm -hmm. So if I had an 8x10 view camera, I could always shoot with that. But nice. I, I basically put two two slides. Out. Everything I shoot is on uh, slide film or E6. E mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's all positive for the film geeks out there. Um, and then, yeah, I scan it in on that. I do a lot of, uh, you know, since, you know, each photo when I scan it in comes in between two and a half and four gigabytes uh, a photo because mm -hmm. uh, they're so big. I, you know, I do a lot of kind of pre-scanning adjustments to make sure that it gets as close as I can. And the great thing about slides is you can always look at the slide to like yeah. be like, how does that look? Right. Yeah. It looks exactly like it does in the slide. <laughs> and, you know, even then I still, I have issues getting it to be as perfect as, you know, because nothing looks as good as it does when light's shining through it. Sure. Right. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Hitting that but, glass yeah, line. I mean, as far as that's just your normal Photoshop stuff, you know, a little sharpening here, bump up the contrast a little bit. Um, the one thing that you guys have probably forgot about is you have to go in and uh, clone out all the dust mm 
Yeah. Um, so that's no, our- <laughs> we know all about cloning because yeah. <laughs> in the newspaper business, occasionally somebody needs a negative out of the file. And you go and you scan yeah, it, and you're like, right. oh, I don't There's miss so film. <laughs> yeah, that is that is the one part I don't miss about film. But the rest of it, I still I still love film. Because you just you just found some film. I mean, you had you were asking for uh, a lead on to try to find some film for the camera before your trip. Yeah. Well, I knew where to find it. I just was hoping that something was local because I I know I can get it out of uh, New York real easy Uh, and i just didn't want to have to pay expedited shipping because i'm leaving tomorrow and you know i so i figured if there's a place in the city of chicago that i could run and get it then i would but everybody that did have four by five only had negative films so i you know i still you know i'm a stickler for the slide film so you're out there with the with the with the drape over your head uh uh-huh and you're framing it up what's the how many how many sheets of film do you use? How long do you wait? What's the when you find that street and or mm-hmm. that building? Is this a day long process? Is this can you can you be there for one? If you find the one building, you're there for twenty four hours because you want the sun rising on it and setting on it. Well, Pat, I'm still a photojournalist, so you know what that means. If I had a speed flex, I'd just run up leave the car running, meter it, <laughs> compose it, shoot it, and then jump back in the car and switch out. Maybe I'd take two shots. I'd, I'd switch the film back really quick. Um, you know, there are times uh, that I'm there. If I find, like, this place that I was talking about, the Main Street, USA is what I call that photo, I actually shot it the evening that I first found it. I found it right around sunset and just wasn't happy with what I got digitally, and, you know, I kind of figured it would be similar on film. Uh, so I, I literally, I just went and found a, a hotel that was close enough in the area. Sometimes I do camping, uh, depending on, you know, where I'm at and what's available. And then I went back, you know, before the sun came up the next morning and kind of sat there and composed my shot and moved around. And, you know, I think I took overall like maybe four or five. I'm looking at the, all the slates that I have here in my, uh, in Lightroom. Looks like there was definitely five shots that I took that first go around, a couple of detailed shots of the doors and then some mm-hmm. overall shots of but yeah, for the most part, you know, because there is so much space to cover and I, I want to get as much variety as I can, you know, I'll show up and get, you know, my one great photo or two great photos that I, I think with the four by five. I'll spend, you know, a good half an hour to forty five minutes to an hour even at a location or more and get that shot. And then while I'm kind of setting it up, I'll also walk around with, you know, the digital camera. I still have a 35 millimeter film camera. So I'll I'll shoot some 35 millimeter slide film as well, just so I have more stuff on film Mm -hmm. that's, you know, alternate views. But yeah, for the most part, I, you know, it's a little bit of run and gun as much as you can with a four by five sometimes, because, you know, in certain States, you know, like South Dakota, Wyoming, you know, especially North Dakota, where I'm going, Kansas, Oklahoma, you know, it's there's 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 a lot to shoot. Sometimes there's 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 a lot to shoot, but it's it's a really good distance between each place. So, you know, unfortunately, I always find the places to shoot around noon. I don't know what that yeah, is. Nothing's good to shoot at <laughs> noon. I love when that's the problem. Re- yeah. I love when reporters assign. Can you shoot a great front page portrait yeah. of this guy at noon? No. I can't. Yeah. So, I mean, I know the sun can be a challenge and stuff. But I, I'm I'm sitting here listening to you describe how you. Um, spend time framing things up and looking around a a, a, a scene. Um, do you with the four by five? Do you zone meter things, or do you take a digital shot and then just 
dial those settings directly into your to your view camera? I guess for the most part, I zone. Uh, you know, I still have a handheld light meter that I'll go out there for, mm-hmm. and depending on what part of the subject, I think the good thing about landscapes is it's not too difficult to zone because essentially, you know, you got to shoot what the sun's giving you mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to, you know, the details inside a building. That's usually when it gets a little tricky because some of these buildings you want to shoot inside of them and you want to meter yep. inside of them, but you don't want to walk in the building because, mm-hmm. you know, you don't know if there's a basement, you don't know if the roof's going to fall in on you. So for the most part, you know, I'll I'll do a general couple of light meters around. Uh, you know, by that point, I mean, I don't really use the digital to to, to meter it as well I, because I've, you know, the, I, I find that the, the meter in my digital cameras really don't compare well with the yeah. film mm-hmm. metering. So it's, if I was to do that, I would, I'm sure I would find a very much overexposed or underexposed photos. Yeah. I, I could never imagine them being the, the same meter. So mm-hmm. yeah, I just I use a Seneca, Seconic or whatever it is, light meter. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that's, I, I, I go from there and then the rest is just composing, deciding which lens I want to use. Like, you know, I got a, a really wide, so I got a 90, a 110 and I think a 220 and you know oh, cool. while that might make sense to 35 millimeter people it's completely different yeah. when you switch it over to you know the 90 is like an extreme wide angle yeah. <laughs> in some cases so it's yeah it's, it's more equivalent to like a 24 on 35 mm-hmm. so yeah I, you know it just depends I mean some places I can't get that close to them because there's fences uh mm-hmm. I try not to trespass I, I think that's something I get asked a lot like how'd you get permission to go out there I'm like well <laughs> That's an interesting story. Have you ever um, been run off by somebody, farmer with a shotgun? Incidentally, yes. No, I've n- not with a shotgun. Uh, more often, I will say this, oh, more no. often than not, I have actually not only not been run off, I've had people come up and start an open conversation with me while I'm shooting on their land, mm-hmm. you know, or on, on the side of the, on the side of the road. Uh, you know, I, I, there's a, shot that i have uh and it's you know not up on the on the website that i did and i want to say it was right off of uh kansas and oklahoma border somewhere and you know i was talking with the guy and he's like i grew up in that house and you know he was in his mm-hmm. 70s and he was with his daughter who was you know in like her 50s and you know they were just out for a drive you know down the dirt roads and he's like yeah he's like i was a baby i was born in that house my mom you know had me and my five brothers and awesome. you know awesome and it's just yeah, I think it's one of those things that, that comes with the 4 by 5 I mean, yeah. you walk out there with that, and, and sometimes I'm with my children. Like this this next uh, this trip that I'm taking tomorrow, I will be with two kids because, you know, mm-hmm. can't take my wife, can't make the wife take off at work for a week, and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, they're not in school. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm taking them with, and it does make me, you know, nobody, I don't think I've, I've been mistaken for a cattle rustler or anything <laughs> like that. So, um, you know, and... Honestly, I mean, some of these places, they're so, I mean, there's really nothing you could steal for the most part. I, You know, somebody would have to be really paranoid. So I do worry about that. But the only time I've actually ever run off, and this is funny, I was in Illinois. I was out probably by Mendota, and I was shooting from the side of the road with my 4x5 on a tripod. I was literally, like, parked on the road, and there's this old house that was on a hill. And I, the dogs were barking. It's like there was a trailer that was literally like right on the, it's like a trailer home that was on the mm-hmm. other side. And 
this woman called like her relatives and they came out and they started, you know, shooing me away or something like, you know, telling me like, I had to get out of here. They're going to call the cops. And I'm like, you're on the, <laughs> it was just you're on the like, shoulder we've had trouble with people. You're just out yeah, there on the so. highway on the shoulder of the, of the highway. No, it was a, just, it was like route 52 or something like that. It oh. was, a, it was the two lane, just yeah. paved road in the middle. And, but yeah, they were, and it was one of those things where it's like, I was, you know, I think I was 23 at the time, 22, and I just wasn't in the mood to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't, you know, such a great shot. I mean, there's it, it like a three in the afternoon. It's just the house. My lens doesn't get me as close as I want to be anyway. So, yeah. you know, but yeah, you, you, you'd think I was walking through the second floor of their, you know, abandoned <laughs> farmhouse that they had, but. Or they were making so, meth. Right. <laughs> early days. Of, <laughs> the early yeah. days of meth yeah, making. Right. You never know who you're going to run into. Yeah. We actually were in, um, actually, our, one of the guests that, that has yet to, to come to fruition um, is the guy who does, a, it's what is it, Abandoned? Uh, uh, um, it's not Abandoned America. Is it Abandoned uh, America? No, I think it might be. Abandoned, no, because no. that's... No, I forget the name of his, but he's, we were following, I found, was following him on Austin. Maybe it is Band in America. Yeah, he does it. But anyway. But I think there's a site out there called that. or there's That's, like the, that's the guy. There's yeah. a bunch of places, yeah. yeah. And he um, he does workshops and takes people and. He does and, urban. Yeah, urban, urban stuff. Yeah, he does, he does the, the Urbex. Yeah, that's it's yeah. actually got its own name. Urbex. Yeah. Is that what it is? Urban the, exploration. Yeah. yeah. Like the genre of photography, is that, that's what that's called? It is. It is. Yeah, I, that's actually some of my, some of the, like right now, the Instagram account that I started two months ago uh, is gotten pretty big, but part of it mm-hmm. has been like the, that Urbex community, you know, and, you know, it's, it's interesting. I mean, they, because like I said, I started shooting and, you know, with film. So for me, it was just, there wasn't any community. It was just me, right. <laughs> you know, going out with film. And then, you know, like I said, Flickr came around and there'd be like one or two people that were doing it, but you know, or in 2006, you really hadn't had that explosion of digital cameras like and, and cell phones like you have over the last four years. Mm-hmm. And but yeah, there's you know, and and that's a whole another another story. You know, those people that just you know they go out there and I'm I'm kind of down with it at, at some point, but there's a little bit of me that kind of like cringes, and it's I guess it's uh, I almost feel like I'm like kind of the original yeah. <laughs> in a way, or like I'm running the, the beginners. So it's kind of like oh, these kids today and they're yeah. doing this crazy <laughs> stuff because. Yeah, you know, some of them go out there, and you'll see them posting like selfies of themselves with like gas masks, and you know, just kind of like doing this whole steampunk post-apocalyptic thing. And it's some of them are really cool, but at some point, it's like, is it more about the buildings for you guys, or just showing somebody that you know you, you kind of wanted to go to some crazy place and hang outside yeah. of a, a building that was falling apart? Well, I think that there, there's less narrative with that and mm-hmm. more. Uh, Expert. Well, I even, you know, I always, there was somebody, there was a criticism on an article that, especially the people that are doing it in Detroit and the old factories, that they, they take, they take rich white people uh, who got a really fancy digital camera and don't, have gotten tired of taking pictures of their dogs and their kids. And they decide they want to they want to go to a dangerous neighborhood, yeah. um, and, <laughs> and and so you get a little bit of that, and mm-hmm. so and I think that that's why the abandoned America guy who I wish I could remember his name he'll listen oh. to this and go you just sent me an email and I'm like I'm terrible with names yeah. <laughs> um, that uh, that he is really protective of his stuff 
mm-hmm. uh, when you read his his website in the sense that, you know, I'm not going to tell you where I've been, you know, mm-hmm. don't trespass. This is, you know, a lot yeah. of times he's gotten permission from whoever, mm-hmm. you know, he's done the research to find the, the building, but, you know, who owns you know it what? so they can go into it. And that's perfect. And that kind of reminds me like some of the, you know, when I do, like I said, I love some of the work that some of these people are doing, but yeah, there's a certain part of it where I think I have, uh, and you might know Eric Seals who shoots for the Detroit free press. He's a big drone, uh, video guy yeah, and, uh, love shooting with the quadcopter. And it's one of those things where it's like, every time you see something that's gone wrong with a drone invasion mm-hmm. of privacy, you're going into like airplane, you know, mm-hmm. he's just like, you can hear him cringing, right. you know, in the background. It's like, <laughs> it's the opposite of like every time, uh, you know, a bell rings an angel gets her wings or something <laughs> like that. It's Eric Seals is cringing every time there's a drone, right. you know, article that goes out. And, I, you know, I think that's kind of the same way with, with me and like some of these other guys. Like I, you know, like I said, I don't have a problem telling people where these barns are because, you know, you can shoot them from the side. But, yeah, there's these old abandoned factories that are in, like, Gary, Indiana is is a place that I've gone a couple of times. Um, you know, Detroit is, you know, just everybody's in Detroit. And, you know, Philadelphia, there's a lot of people like shooting these old asylums, too. It's There's a part of me that's like, uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of crossing a line to to an extent. And, you know, it's like, don't mess it up for the rest of us. So that's why I'm not going to tell you where it is sometimes. Is there is there an equivalent in the rural photography in the rural landscapes kind of don't cross the line don't you know don't go here or take photos of this kind of a not a sacred setting or a sacred kind of building but you know do you feel that no. way about some anything that you've come across no no like i said the, the one place that i found it's it's the only place that yeah. it's kind of like it's mine right and i know a couple <laughs> other people that know where it's from because they've been there but uh, you know, yeah, I mean, I've I've seen old churches. I mean, the the big rule, I think, with a lot of the people who do the Rurex, because you, you've got to be dedicated to drive thousands of miles into the middle of nowhere, mm-hmm. um, you know, yeah. unless you just happen to, I know a couple of people who do it um, that live literally in the middle of nowhere, so that's why they're out there taking these great pictures all the time. But mm-hmm. for the rest of us, you know, it's it's almost like the, uh, the, the quote that's always attributed to, uh, I think, Chief Seattle, the, the Indian leader, although it's, you know, questionable whether or not he said it, but, you know, like, you know, leave only footprints, you know, take only memories, leave only footprints. You know, I always kind of go by that philosophy, take only photos, leave only footprints. It's it's one of those things like don't go out there. And and I see a lot of people that talk about this, like they will just leave a place in pristine condition for the next person to find, you know, and that's kind of what it is. It's like they're out there and they're looking at it, and they need to leave it in the best shape that they can for the next yeah. person. I mean, there's times I actually go out there and, like, I've actually picked up trash. <laughs> you know, if I see, like, you know, yeah. like new trash, not like, you know, when I see an old, you know, beer can that's literally got, like, a pole top, I know that that's yeah. original. Yeah. Right, <laughs> But exactly. if I see, like, a, or if I see stole a 20 ounce Coca-Cola, <laughs> yeah, if I see a 20 ounce Coca-Cola, then, you know, bottle, then I'm like, yeah, yeah okay, or that's, that's coming, you know, I'll, I'll yeah. put that in my trash bag that's in the truck when I travel. Mm-hmm. So what do the kids do while you're, you're lining stuff up? I mean, do they, t- do they have little cameras of themselves? I mean, Axe is probably old enough to take a picture, isn't he? Axe is six. He's old enough. He's got his own little camera, but no, he's. You know, a lot of times he's fascinated by what's on his tablet. So he's got video games on his tablet sometimes. Other times he gets out and he wants to go exploring. Um, you know, it depends on where I'm at. Uh, you know, there's there's a place that I know about called Maple Leaf, South Dakota, that I'm planning on making a stop to uh, this time around. And it's it's literally an abandoned 
what's left of abandoned town. I think it's all just like a couple of mills that's out in the middle of nowhere. Hmm. And you could see where the old train tracks used to be. And, you know, there's there, it would be hard pressed for him to get in trouble. Because right, I yeah. could see mm-hmm. it's flat land and you could see for miles. Yeah. Um, so, you know, him and, and Buddha, my other son, I might let them run around. And forgive me, they actually do have real names, but I always just go by their nicknames. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> posting stuff on social media. It's funny, but a lot of people think their names are actually Axe and Buddha legally. But, <laughs> <laughs> but no, so yeah, I, if they're not going to mess up my shot, I will, let them, uh, I will let them kind of have free range running around. But even last night, my wife was like, just be careful, you know, because, you know, I know there's, there's wells out there, uh, you know, that, yeah. that have been sealed off that you won't know about. So, I mean, there's times... You know, I walk around with, uh, you know, my tripod and I just have it, you know, not out in the tripod position, but in the, you know, kind of with the legs all collapsed, but extended. And I'll mm-hmm. poke at the ground a little bit if I think it looks like mm-hmm. the area is kind of shady because, you know, I don't want to fall in a well in an area where there's no cell phone reception because yeah. <laughs> it's that's what most of, you know, some of these towns can be. I mean, even in Illinois, I'll lose cell phone reception every now and again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how can people connect with you? They can, they follow your Instagram account is, I mean, I follow it, but I'm terrible with remembering addresses. (laughs) So it's pretty easy. Uh, Twitter is Lost Americana, uh, at Lost Americana. Instagram is at Lost Americana, uh, all one word. The website is lostamericana.com. If you wanted to email me, there is info that's on the website uh, under the connect page. You go there and you could sign up and subscribe to uh, the update list. So, you know, when I'm doing something cool, I'll probably send out an email blast to say, hey, you know, there's going to be a gallery show. There's going to be a book published. Hey, I'm going to be on this podcast. Yeah. Um, there you go. Bingo. Bingo. <laughs> Paul Quick, subscribe so, uh, to his, yeah. his, his newsletter. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, you know, that, that that's pretty much it. Yeah. So there's the Twitter, the Instagram, the website. Uh, you know, there's a Facebook page. So it's Facebook dot com slash lost americana slash and and they're all there but yeah if you go to lost americana any place that uh has has social media there's a youtube page too which i suggest if you guys haven't already uh, yeah, i watched your, so, I watched your trailer. trailer yeah i watched your trailer before we came up the voice the the old uh recording where did that where does the audio come from the prosperity of the country rests Usually upon the prosperity of agriculture. So that was from a uh, historical U.S. archive. Uh, that's Howard Taft, actually. Ah. So, yeah, then that was, uh, I believe, somewhere around 1910. I, I think I got it right. There's part of me that wanted to put a little kind of, like, little lower third or some text somewhere on that as he was speaking, and I just, I, I put it up there, and I didn't think it looked as good. Right. Um, but, yeah, it's... Yeah, that was uh, that was the president of the United States back in 1910 talking, uh, giving a speech to. I can't remember who he was giving the speech to. I ever written down somewhere, but you know about the importance of, you know, the infrastructure of rural America. Mm-hmm. So you know this what what built that kind of heyday, mm-hmm. uh, you know, up through the 19 you know 20s and 40s. You know, was a lot of the push to get roads out there to get the post office out there right. and you know, it's electricity and stuff like that. And, and now that it's out there, um, you know, it's, you know, I think there's still more people out there now than there was in the 19 teens, but it's, you know, like I said, uh, according to the U S census, 2015 is the first year where rural America is actually seeing a population decline mm-hmm. as opposed to, you know, 
what would be just like a normal or slow growth. It's actually going in reverse now. Well, that that's clearly evident because of the the rural high schools that are combining. Yeah. Uh, oh, we've had it here. Where the co-ops, you, yeah. Yeah, the co-ops. So interesting. Well, we love your project. We're looking forward to the the, the future book and the future documentary, and we'll have you on when that's all. Uh, unless human resources has shut us down, right. but we haven't been very controversial lately. <laughs> Nobody no. swore today, so right. <laughs> we're in good shape. But um, thank you very much for taking the time uh, to talk with us, and we'll get this up as soon as possible. We'll probably be up while you're while you're yeah. out on the road, and mm-hmm. um, just make sure you subscribe. You don't even have to listen, man. Yeah. <laughs> I will. I will subscribe. Uh, hey, I don't think I pulled up iTunes in like the last. You know, I can't even remember. It's been one of those things so yeah no i uh, i will i will go and i'll subscribe right now all right i appreciate that uh all right well i'm todd meisner i'm paul coletti and we were talking pictures with vincent johnson the purveyor of lost americana you should uh everywhere anywhere you can get them on the web yeah. lots of different places you just said we'll list those on the blog um uh talking pictures podcast uh blogspot so mm-hmm. we will have all that information for you so that you can find him and uh, you can buy something from him in the future, and mm-hmm. uh, and it will continue because it's a lifetime. This is a kind of a lifetime project. Yeah, very cool. So thanks, man. We really appreciate you, you spending the time thanks, with Vince. us. Gentlemen, thanks for getting the word out. All right, we'll see you. Right. Bye-bye. Thanks. The Talking Pictures Podcast is a production of The Dispatch, The Rock Island Argus, and QCOnline.com. To see some of the photos and videos discussed in our podcast, be sure to go to talkingpicturespodcast.blogspot.com. Talking Pictures is produced by Todd Meisner, Paul Coletti, and Todd Walvert. Thanks to Laura Anderson Shaw, Meg McLaughlin, Laura Frames, and Randy Fisk. The music was provided by Kevin McLeod at www.incomputech.com. Make sure you subscribe to Talking Pictures on iTunes or SoundCloud.